You're listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast with your host, Johnny D, the motivational cowboy. 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 As a motivational speaker, Johnny D impacts audiences around the world with his message of living the outstanding life. He's a best-selling author, MC, and two-time Grammy-considered artist. This podcast is a place where Johnny D can introduce you to his outstanding friends and share funny, interesting, and heart-provoking stories. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up. Here comes your host, Johnny D. Hey everybody, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Welcome to this week's Outstanding Life Podcast. I want to say a big hello to all my friends listening on Dirt Road Radio, KYDT 103.1 FM. Today, we have such an inspirational story coming your way. This guy is absolutely amazing. Met him at the PRI show last year. His name is Greg Stels, and he is the owner of Greg's Speed Shop. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear his story. Greg, are you on the line? Yes, I am. What is going on, my friend? I'm just uh, working, you know, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, I tell you what, you have such an you know cool story. I want to start off by, when I first met you, we were talking about your car, but then you told me this story about how you got started, you know, uh, with your speed shop, and uh, you have one of the biggest speed shops in the country, but you didn't always own a speed shop. You were a truck driver. Uh, you owned a, yes. a trucking company. Yes, sir, I did. Tell everybody the uh, story of, of, of how you got into the trucking business, and then one day you uh, decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to sell everything, and I'm going to start a speed shop, and how'd that go with your wife? Yeah, not too good. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'll, I'll just uh, give you a, a, a quick version. Well, I'll give you a version of it here. Um, <clears throat> pretty much what happened was my dad... He drove truck for 45 years over the road when I was a kid, so I never wanted to drive a truck. Um, so when I was a younger younger man, I got into the car world, and, and I became a very good mechanic, and then I started working at all these body shops, and I became a very good painter. And uh, then I do I started, I worked at a shop around Chicago area, and I painted um, BMWs, Porsches, Lamborghinis, Lotuses, Ferraris. I did that every day. I was very good at it. I just, back then, I couldn't make enough money. And I was young, and my dad said, I'll put you in a truck next week, and, you know, I'll make you 2500 bucks." Well, 27 years later, that's what I did. The whole time I owned my trucking company, though, I was restoring cars. Um, I didn't have to really make a profit um, because I had a, a lot of revenue coming in. So, you know, it, was, it started out as, you know, just doing it for friends, and then it was customers, and then it just it, it got overwhelming because I was running a, a multi-million dollar trucking company at the time, and um, then we ended up upgrading our fleet of trucks, and me and my wife, we, we you know, basically, you know, a couple million bucks, we had to go into debt to, to uh, upgrade our trucks. And three weeks after that, she's like, we need a vacation. You know, we just pretty much signed our life away, you know. And um, so we're sitting at our end of our driveway because if we planned a, a trip, we'd never go. So we're sitting at, in our RV at the end of our driveway. And she, I said, right or left? And she says, make a right. Let's go north. I want to go to Mackinac Island. So we decided to travel up to Mackinac Island, went up there, loved it, and you know, it was a pretty quick day when we were up there. So she said, what else do you want to do? And I was like, you know what? I, I always want to go to the Henry Ford Museum. And uh, she's like, okay, let's do it. So we we worked our way down and ended up being at the Henry Ford Museum in the morning time. Um, and the minute I walked into that building, changed my life. Um, instantly, I mean instantly, knew what I was going to do the rest of my life. And it had nothing to do with trucks. <laughs> So, as you would figure, I I didn't tell my wife that day because I would have been no good. <laughs> what a what a ruin a day for sure. <laughs> but I was I was so impressed with the Henry Ford Museum because it has really don't really have a lot to do with cars. I mean, it, it's Ford, but it has more to do about the history of our country, and it really inspired me. And uh, when I how I explain it to people is. Uh, you know, I give in my shop. I give tours every day here, but 
um, what I tell them, it's like when I walked in there, it was like when people really find the Lord, that's what it felt like to me when I was in that building. So it was wow. pretty powerful. It was really powerful. And I knew in my heart I had to do this. You know, but so we went through the whole museum and went through everything. And I was very, um, you know, just excited. And, uh, you know, we left there finally. And I, I figured, well, we'd just, you know, head back to Wisconsin. And, you know, it's eight hours from, from that to our home from there. Yeah, because so, it's not far from me. And you're about eight and a half hours. Yeah. So I was like, I'll, uh, you know, we'll just, you know, we spent the whole day. So I figured I'd just, you know, go down the road a little bit and we'd pull somewhere over and sleep in the RV, you know. Um, but I drove all the way home. I couldn't, I could not. I knew what I was going to do. And I tried to tell my wife like 10 times on the way home. And <laughs> I, uh, you know, I almost got it out a couple times, but I, I just chickened out. Because I, to be honest with you, I was like, do I feel like getting yelled at for the next eight hours and I've got nowhere to go? Or should I wait? <laughs> so pretty much what happened then is when we got home, we, um, you know, got up in the morning and, uh, she was cooking breakfast at the time. And I'm, I'm kind of, you know, saying, Hey, come here. I need to talk to you. And she just wasn't really paying attention to me. And, and then finally I was like, you know, I, cause I was ready. I was telling her, you know, and I was like, no, I need to talk to you now. And, you know, I think at first she thought it was something bad that I was going to say. Um, so I think I took her, you know, cause then she's like, what, what, you know? And I was like, <laughs> no, calm down. Just <laughs> let's hang on. I just told her, I said, listen, when we went to that museum, it, it changed my life. And, um, you know, I want to open speed shop up and, uh, I want to build custom cars the rest of my life. And she's like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no. She goes, you couldn't have told me this three weeks ago before we signed our life away. I was like, I didn't know until yesterday. But in my heart, I told her, I said, I need you on board with this one. I said, it was it's something that I have to do, and I don't know why it's so powerful, but I have to do this. And uh, she pretty much said, um, you know, she wasn't happy. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, it probably wasn't a place that you'd want to come over that day, <laughs> uh, you know, um, but pretty much like a day later, you know, she said, uh, you know, I'm behind you. If we're doing it, let's do it. And uh, so we started looking for a building and we found a building in Wapaka, Wisconsin. We live in New London, Wisconsin at the time, and Wapaka is on a major highway. It's in between two um, the Fox, the Fox Valley is, you know, like 400,000 people. And then on the, and that's the, to the east of us. And on the west of us, there's probably another, uh, there's Stevens Point Clover area, another, you know, couple hundred thousand people that way. Um, so we're like in the middle on a major highway. We found a building that was an old, um, uh, carpet store and we ended up purchasing it and, um, uh, you know, the goal was to make it a little mom-pa store. Uh, my wife was going to sell vintage clothing, and I was going to work in cars in the back. Well, after we did that, we bought the building, and that was only a um, 50 by 100 building. And now now we're 35,000 square foot. we only been here five years now. March 5th, 2018, I opened the doors. And when I opened the doors, then we only had the 5,000 square foot. I built the other 30,000 square foot on it, on the building. So your wife um, was definitely all in then. I mean, you were already yeah, well, all, all in. All, she, she, I mean, yeah. for anybody to to take a 50 by 100, you know, uh, uh, building and then build it into 35,000 square feet, you know, speed shop. I mean, your wife must be all in now. Yeah, she, she def, she's definitely all in. She loves She loves it too. It really changed our life. Um, we we were we're very blessed. We're very fortunate in our life. Um, uh, you know, we didn't. I, I quit high school um, when I was real young, and uh, you know, I was I was you know born kind of to fail, and um, you know, I proved everybody wrong by making a multi million dollar business and then giving it a, giving it up and 
going into another venture, a venture to make another multi-million dollar business. You know, you pretty much can do whatever you want in life. And, and my path is, uh, is here. And, uh, definitely I change people's lives every day here. You know, a car always has a story. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, it's your dad's car or it's your uncle's car. And, uh, I remember being a kid and, uh, always wanting to be in them cars and didn't have no money to do that. So, I do. I build high-end cars here, but I do focus on the average guy. Um, so I try to help. You know, try to help as much as you can. It costs money to come here, but it's. I don't. I don't shoo the smaller jobs away. Right. Okay. Right. Let me ask you this, because there's a lot of people <clears throat> listening right now, and there could be people listening with their fathers. You kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but you were a troubled kid, right? I mean, you didn't yes. have it all together growing up. And no. It, no, I didn't. So, so what was your childhood like? If I mean, can, can you share that with everybody listening? Because they, yeah. they, 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 they hear this now of how successful you are and what you have built, not once, but twice, you know, the great marriage and everything else. But what was Greg like as a child? Well, as a child, I was, uh, you know, just, I was a kind of a lost kid. Uh, my, my parents are divorced when I was really young. Um, you know, uh, uh, drugs and alcohol was... Um, in my lifestyle, um, you know, I grew up around that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I was, like I said, I was, I was kind of born to fail. Um, you know, the drinking stuff uh, that just runs in the family and it, and that's normal, you know, it's a normal thing. And a lot of people have that too, but I just, I, you know, I just, as a kid, I was, I just didn't want to fall down that path. And, you know, and I did for a while. I mean, I, I, you know, because I thought that was normal. Um, and I just, it, I struggled for uh, the, you know, not saying I, I did some drugs, but I mainly was a drinking for me. And uh, when I decided to quit drinking, so I've been sober 14 years, May, May 13th this year. Congratulations uh, on that. 14 years. And uh, it uh, 100% changed my life. And, and I'm telling you right now, I never, I never did an AA. I never did any of that stuff. In my mind, I was like, "That's it. I'm done. I'm done living that way." And um, it definitely 100% changed my life. And, and um, very, like I said, I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate to be where I'm sitting today. If it wasn't for my wife, I'd probably be in prison. Um, you know, I was doing some bad things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. You were, uh, did, did I, did I hear right or read right, but you were in a motorcycle club. You were an outlaw. Is yeah, that true? We, we, we ran, I wasn't in the club. Uh, we just ran around with a lot of guys that were, um, so we did, we, we, we did a lot of stuff that we probably shouldn't have been doing in different, in different clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that we'd ride with. Let me ask you this for, because so many of us, especially as men, right? Uh, you know, I've, I've started in, in sold, you know, a couple co- companies myself. And when I, I, I know that the exact feeling you have 25 years ago, when I gave up everything to be a speaker, um, it was like the best day of my life, but it was also the next two years I was broke. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and you sold a company started Greg's speed shop. How long did it take you to, to start making money again? I mean, cause you don't just uh, jump into it, you know, in Wisconsin yeah. and, and start making tons of money. Right. Right. Uh, and and the, we're finally starting to make money. <laughs> I've been here five years. <laughs> you know, it, 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 and the reason is because I grew so fast and, you know, they just valued my place at like 3.7 million. And, you know, most of that I, I put in cash. So, um, you know, I just, I, I don't know, I'm a risk taker. And uh, I just knew that I had to do it when I started. And, you know, our shop is more like a NASCAR shop. It's clean. Um, you know, we want people to feel comfortable when they come here. In our front area, we have, um, you know, a clothing store. We have a Pontiac dealership built in here. We have a Texaco gas station from the 40s. Everything has an upstairs in the first 5,000 square foot. We have a movie theater. Um, everything that inside of the building, if you went on Facebook or Instagram, pretty much Facebook, you can see it more. But um, 
the you can see the inside of the building. And I built all the stuff, everything you see here. I built. Um, I do all the concrete work. I do all the lighting. I build all the buildings. I turn a group of guys that work for me. We turn them all into carpenters. We're a team here, so um, you know. And I, I guess what it comes down to, I'm cheap. So so I uh, I like to do everything. You know, there's somebody's got to be able to do it. So I do it all. And every everybody listening right now. Please go to gregspeedshop.com. I mean, because he's being um, uh, so humble about this, but his speed shop is absolutely amazing. I mean, there is facades of everything, everything there. And and, and I, I want to ask you, there's signs everywhere. There's, there's, yeah. you know, there's all kinds of stuff inside your shop. Where did you get all that stuff? Have you, were you a collector beforehand? Yeah. Yeah, so to go uh, step my story back up, I ended up when I was a kid, I ended up living with my, well, my parents were uh, divorced and I lived with my mom, but then I was in a lot of trouble. So I think about age 13, I went to my dad's and then uh, that was down by uh, Eden, Wisconsin. And I, I was there and I was always collecting stuff and bringing stuff home. And he would, you know, he'd, he'd be yelling at me for bringing all this crap home all the time. And uh, I remember one time he was yelling at me on the table because I had these valve covers sitting on the table and, uh, you know, about this junk I'm always bringing home. So he told me to go throw them out. And so I went and hit them in my room. I got the valve covers hanging in my shop to this day. Wow. That is so cool. <laughs> you know, so I never threw them out. And, I, and my dad passed away a couple of years ago, but he would come here and he worked at my trucking company also. And help me get that going. But he he worked at the speed shop here too when I when I was out uh, traveling the country. He would he would he kind of run the front, and um, you know he just said just all the years you collecting this crap, I was mad all the time. But you finally had a place to put it. So I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I'll be 51 at the end of the month, and um, you know when I was young, you know 13, 14 years old, I was I see value in things so. I'd collect them, and now I get to display it. Greg, was was part of the deal with your wife when you start building the speed shop to have a her own clothing store inside the shop? You kind of touched yeah, it, on it because the the clothing store mm-hmm. itself is absolutely amazing. It's so cool. Yeah, she uh, so she wanted to contribute. She's like, well, what am I supposed to do if we sell the the trucking company, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, well, you can just, you know, you love to pin up stuff and, and clothing and, you know, you like doing that. Well, I'll just build you a store inside of the building. So that's what I did. And, uh, yeah, she's really into that stuff. Uh, she's, she's more, she, she's really into the, the branding of Greg speed shop. And also she, she's really uh, working with new people, um, kind of more branding us to get us out there. You know, we're really young in, in the car world. I've, I've built cars my whole life, but we're really young in the car world compared to, like, a Chip Foose and, and Dave Kindig. Um, we're, you know, they've been doing it 35 years. So their brand is there. So we got to make our brand um, out as quick as possible. Um, so, you know, that's what we're trying to do. So she's focusing more on that stuff right now. That's so awesome. Greg, you know, you said that every car, every family has a story. Can you, is there, can you share a story with me? And it doesn't have to be, I'm visualizing this right now. And just, you are such a nice guy. And I know that there are people that, that probably come to your shop and they just want a break job. There's other people that, that want to spend, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, you know, on their vehicle. But is there one vehicle that really stands out right now while we're talking that that sticks out that you helped somebody and well, they left I away, guess. you know, crying or they got, you know, emotional well, or because I know oh yeah. I know the kind of guy I cry, that you I are. Cry, I cry like a baby here. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I got one, uh, a perfect example one. And I got these. I mean, I have multiple ones of of similar stories to this, but just one that sticks out to me because it was the first one uh, that had happened was an old timer guy came in here. He lived here in Wapaka, right? The town that we're at right now. And he said that he had a VW in Colorado that his 
I think it was his brothers. And then when they were when they were kids, you know, they rode around in it and blah 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 blah. And he passed away, and his wife is going to give him the vehicle, but he needs it picked up. And I'm like, well, you have to call a transporter, blah blah blah. He says, well, they don't want to do it because it's, the trees grew around it. That's we all cut out. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh boy, you know. So my dad was here, and uh, he, the guy, left. You know, and I said, well, I'll get some. Try to figure it out. My dad's like, well, I'll go get it. And I'm like, yeah, they're gonna have to cut the trees down. I'll do it. <laughs> I was like, all right. I said, well, we'll figure out how much the field's gonna cost and go get it. And so my dad said he'd get it. So we made a deal with the guy. My dad went out and got it. And he called me out there and he said, I am not going to be able to do this. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, I got to get a wrecker service here. I mean, you wouldn't believe what the deal is, you know? And I was like, all right, just get the wrecker service, get it out and then get it towed home. So he ended up doing that. We got it back home and the guy wanted to drop off his house. So we dropped it off his house. And then about four months later, his son calls me and he says, Hey, Greg, you know, I'd, I'd like to, talk to you about this, about this BW, you know, boss, you know, I'd like to get it in. And he says, my dad's really sick and, and I want to be able to get this thing running before he, before he passes. I was like, I just talked to your dad, you know, he just happened to stop in. He's like, well, he, he lies. So he's not going to tell you the truth. He's really sick. And I'm like, all right. You know, I says, we'll, we'll take a look at it. I said, bring it on in. So we brought it in. He says, I just need it running and driving so we can, we can do this. And I was like, all right. So I get it running and driving. Um, you know, we get everybody in, in the crew here working on it so we can get it done. And it was a lot of work and we got it done and we want to go deliver it to his house. So we go deliver it. And I have my, one of my guys go to the door and the, the, the old guy answered the door. And, you know, this, this guy's telling me he's got, you know, a couple of weeks to live. And I'm like, my guy calls me and says, Hey, I'm talking to the old guy right now. And, he said, there ain't nothing wrong with him. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I was like, this guy just snowballed me, you know? And uh, well, we dropped it off or whatever, you know? So I'm like, okay. I just, so I called the guy and I'm like, hey, your dad, your dad said there's nothing wrong with him. He said, my dad's a liar. He goes, I was like, well, somebody needs to pay me now because now I'm kind of upset because I, you know, did this and got it done and got it running for you. And now it sounds like I just got snowed, you know? And he's like, Greg, I'm telling you the truth. So the guy pays me, whatever, and then about. Two weeks later, he come in and he said, him and his whole family did, thanked us, and he passed away. And it was it was pretty cool. Wow. And, and, and Greg, you know, everybody listening right now, I mean, obviously that that's an incredible story. But watching you, the stage that I was on at the PRI show, your, your car, the Joker, was right next to the stage. And you and your wife and your group of people were there. And, you know, that's the kind of person you are. I never saw you sit down. Matter of fact, the one time that I saw you sit down was when I finally came over to talk to you. And um, <laughs> I felt so bad because you had just <laughs> sat down, but that's the kind of person you are. You will talk to everybody, especially when it's something that, that you enjoy, but you're also a great listener. And something that um, you like to do is give back to the uh, Rawhide Boys Ranch there in Wisconsin. Talk a little bit about that and what that means to you. Yeah, we're uh, well. So we're we're um, we're doing a book right now. With the book, the book just got finished. We're just editing it. But some, I had some major people uh, read the book already, and um, they said the book is you know very very good. And one of them reached out to Rawhide, and Rawhide is uh, for troubled boys, um, our troubled kids, our ranch here in, in New London. And uh, Bart Starr is actually one of the guys who started that, the boys ranch there, or he was part of it. Um, and they reached out and they said they want to be part of the book. Um, you know, if they can do anything for us, um, they want, they want to be able to help. And, it, you know, to me, being a troubled kid myself, that's kind of what the book is about. I think anybody that reads it can get something out of it. Pretty much what it is is, you know, life is, life sucks for a lot of us. And um, sometimes we don't think we can make it out of it, but I'm proven. I'm a proven fact guy that you you can dig and and get out of anything you need to be. And that's that's kind of the message I want to tell people. It doesn't matter what people think. You just 
you put your mind to it, you can change your life. Greg, did you ever think in a million years, I mean, you're 51 years old now, you've been through literally hell and back. Do you ever just look in the mirror and say, holy crap, I'm a multi-time business owner. But when you throw the name author behind you, that's pretty darn cool. Do you think to yourself, well, this, I mean, in a million years, I never thought I would be an author. <laughs> no, no, me, I, I just, I can't believe it sometimes. I mean, I really can't. I mean, um, from what, where I came from to get to where I am today, I'm very, like I said, very fortunate, very blessed. Um, you know, if, I, if the Lord wasn't in my life, I know I wouldn't get where I am. And um, like I said, I'm just, I can't believe it sometimes. Definitely. Talk a little bit about that. I know that, that me and you have had a, a great conversation, and, and there are times that uh, we as humans, we we fall fall away from the Lord. Yes, and and it, that's what I did. When I was younger, I, you know, my mom made me go to church all the time, and, and just being like anybody anybody else, when they're younger and you went to church, uh, you know, we were just going there to hang out with our buddies. You know, I always believed in the, in the Lord, but I, I, I kind of, I guess in my early twenties, I kind of lost a little bit of that. And I, I, I just didn't really, um, really didn't go to church anymore. We didn't do any of that kind of stuff. You know, I believed, but I, you know, you, you, you doubt it. And then, um, after my dad passed, I, I had something happen to me that came to me and he told me, I was just, you know, get out, get back with the Lord and, you know, now our whole family's uh, deep into that right now. And, uh, Did I just hear you say your father told you that? Yeah. Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you on. you talk about something coming full circle. Yep. Wow. So, so I knew that we needed to do it. So we started um, going back to church. And there was a church that me and my wife got married at. And uh, we, we went there. And uh, then my... My younger daughter, she went to church with, she'd go to church with us too, but she went to church with her friend one day, and then she came back and she said, Dad, will you come to my church? You know, I come to go check this church out. I'm like, no, I go to this church, and this is, this is the way it is. And, you know, but I thought about it for a while, and my wife said, you know, you know, our young daughter wants us to go to church to go check it out where she goes or where she went with her friend. And, uh, so I said, I'll go, but if they're trying to sell me some agenda, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, you know, <laughs> and, uh, because you know, some, some of them do. Right. And, uh, so we, me and my wife went and, um, that's where we go. That is so um, cool. And, and it's because our, our daughter took us there that and I left so the church neat. that I've been going for, for many, many years. That is so cool. You know, pe- people would say that, that you're a character, wouldn't they? Would that be right for me to say? Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, a good character, but, and, yeah. and, 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 and I see that, Greg, to, to lead into this. There's a character even bigger than you, and you're a big dude. <laughs> and, and the yeah. character is, is your race car, the Joker. Yes, sir. Talk a little bit about the Joker. And, 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 and like, is that something that you, you always had? Did you have the Joker while you were, um, you know, trucking? Or did the Joker yeah. come on later on when you know when uh, you had the uh, the the speed shop? How wh- when and how did the Joker become the Joker for you? Um, I think it was 2014 when I found the car. 2014 or 13, I can't quite remember it offhand right now. But I found the car on Craigslist. I was I owned a trucking company at that time. I uh, circle track raced for many years. Uh, stock car modified and dirt late models. And then I was, I was done racing, but I was always in the fast cars. So I, I found this car on Craigslist and it was in Missouri. And I called the guy up and he was, wasn't too nice on the phone. Um, he says, I'm sick of you people calling on Craigslist and nobody shows up and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to sell it. So I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, I just hung the phone up back then. Everybody look, looked on Craigslist and what I would do, I said, at the at the trucking company, I'd run copies off of the ad, and I'd put them in a on a in a folder, you know, to go back to it later, you know. And I one day I was cleaning my desk off about probably about two months later, and I was throwing the other cars that I called on or I didn't want, and often I come across the car again, and I called him, and uh, he said he'd sell it, and I said, well, I'm 11 hours away, so he didn't like that at all, and I said I won't I'll pay you exactly what you want, and 
I'll come down and get it. So I drove all the way down to Missouri, ended up getting getting the car, and I walked in, and I asked the guy right away, do you have the uh, a title for it? And he said, yeah. And I checked the VIN number, make sure that was right. And I got it on my trailer. And once I got it on my trailer, I asked him, I was like, why didn't you put this on eBay or something, you know? He's like, I just... I just needed it sold. I'm going through a divorce, and so that's why he sold it, and that's why he was kind of grumpy too. And um, I brought it home, and I was going to paint it, and had all these thinking about what I was going to do to this car. And then when I got it home, I really started looking at it. I'm like, man, this almost looks like a real race car. Maybe this was done a long time ago. So I started doing a little research on it. I heard a guy named Dan Smith. It said Dan Smith on the roof. And this guy named Dan Smith built the car. So I've seen some pictures of it. It all said the Joker on it, the pictures that I've seen. So then when I put a motor in, I started racing at some small events just to go to. And I started taking these events. And then all of a sudden one day I was in a lineup in Byron, Illinois. And a guy named Dan Smith handed me a driver's license. And I'm pointing to the car. And he's like, yeah, that's me. So then he started telling me about the car. And he said that he found it on the side of um, a barn. He used to drive to work every day. One day he drove by and he seen this, this 57 Pontiac two-door hardtop sitting outside. And it had a tow bar bolted on the front of it. So he stopped and he talked to the old timer. And the guy said that uh, he used to race it in the 60s, and uh, it was just time for it to get out of here. And So then Dan ended up buying the car, and then he took it to his shop, and then he started doing, you know, getting ready to put it back on the road. So he put a, he put the Joker on it, because it, it actually didn't have the Joker on it in the beginning. Dan actually put that on there, and then he put, like, Smith Brothers Racing and a couple other things that he had on it. Once, once he did, you know, he was telling me that he did all that stuff, and then he ended up selling to the guy I bought it from. So when I asked Dan, you know, when you drove it, how how fast did you go? That's what I wanted to know. And he's like, he never drove it. He said, I built the car, never drove it. And you're the only guy who's ever drove it with the Joker on the side of it. Oh wow! So, so I was then I was like, yeah, that's super cool, you know. So the Joker name is is definitely me. But now the car is. You know, made hundreds of magazines, made a National Pontiac magazine. I built the the fiberglass front end on it. Um, they didn't make fiberglass pieces for Pontiacs. So we started with the 57 Chevy front end and then cut it all up and built it into a Pontiac. Uh, we got 57 Chevy doors on it. Then we had to move them around a little bit, cut them up to fit better. Than, they're close. A 57 Chevy close, but not quite right. And uh, we built all that stuff, and then we patinaed it just like, uh, the car originally looked, but as of right now, I'm one tenth off the world record as natural aspirated four speed, ten inch wide tires, no shift light, no computers on board car. Um, we're a tenth of a second off the world record right now. Wow! And, and for those of you listening, when you go to Greg's speed shop, you'll you'll see the car. I mean, it, there there there's something I'm around race cars every single weekend there is something special about the joker i mean there i mean it it has a life of its own i mean don't you agree yeah. greg yeah yeah it does everybody says that it's like uh i've had a lot of people say this to me you know it's like the general lee or or the kit car when we were kids that that's the kind of feeling they get when they look at the car yes which i'm i'm like super like super excited about it. My goal is right now. I, I'm I just started racing with the Southeast Gassers. Southeast Gassers are the fastest gassers in the country, and they're out of North Carolina, and they're a great group of guys. I race with the Bruce City Gassers in Wisconsin, you know, because that's a local club that I race with here. But I can't be the fastest in the country unless I race the fastest. So that's what I do now, and it's all Southern states that we race. I leave for North Carolina next week. On Wednesday, we race a track called Shady Side in Shelby, North Carolina. Like I said, my my goal right now is definitely to win some races in the Southeast Gassers. But I I really my goal is to win that world record. What um, do you have you for know, an they, engine inside that? Uh, it's weight by cubic inch, so I weigh twenty seven fifty. So I run a four seventy seven uh, big block Chevy. I actually shifted at ninety two hundred RPM. And it's a has an old bread box intake on it. The carburetors have to be in line. They have to be uh, 4150s. 
you know, old school, old school looking, you know. So everything looks old school on the car, even though it's state of the art. You have you have two seats in 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 the front of that thing. Yes. Have you taken anybody for a ride? And if so, did they almost crap themselves? Yes, I do take them for a ride. And <laughs> pretty much, they do. <laughs> per, per rules, because back in the day in '67, you know, everybody had two seats. So that is a rule that you have to have the other seat in the car. Oh, really? Yep. That's uh, um, like I said, it's the salty gassers. It's uh, it, you go to one of their events. It's 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 unbelievable. That's all I can tell you. It's it's. I'm so addicted to it that I can't even tell you how bad I'm addicted to it. <laughs> it, I, it is. It's unbelievable. I just think it's crazy just sitting here. I mean, you you have this huge company that you're running. You have cars in and out of that place. And then that's not enough for you. So you want to take off every weekend and go racing. Your wife must be like, hey, Greg, slow down, man. Yeah, yeah sometimes she does. <laughs> but she, knows, she knows I'm on full, full. I'm, I'm all in. When I do something, I'm all in. It's just like, you know, I know a lot of people like right now, they're doubting me that I'm going to win. And with these guys are uh, IRA or NHRA pro mod drivers. A lot of them are professional race car drivers that they don't drive professional anymore and they get in this old car. These are... Every car has to have a four-speed. Every car has to be weighted by cubic inch. Every car has to have a straight axle. And every car, no computers, no shift light, 10-inch wide tires, or 10 and a half. But, um, I mean, these cars are violent. The wheels, when you launch, the wheels got to be 15 inches off the ground when you launched. It's not like a new-style cars, you know, pro mods, all the tires are on the ground. They're trying to make it rules um, from 1967. All I can say is if you went to one event and they travel, they travel 10 different states in the South, um, you know, Indiana, Ohio's uh, closest that we're up here um, to the North, to the Midwest, but you go to one of their events and you feel like you're in 1967. Wow. Clothes and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my wife is actually my backup girl. And, uh, you know, besides looking beautiful, she's actually doing something in there because these guys race, uh, I race a gas, which is the fastest group that they have if you lose you go home there's no buying back in there's no second round there's no nothing so when i when i race next week i'll i'll qualify saturday morning i get two qualifying runs one in the right lane one in the left lane whatever my fastest time is that's where it puts me on the the board and then my first round whoever i race if i red light or if i lose i go home now in my hauler the closest race to me is going to be eight hours. Uh, all these other ones are 17, 19 hours to get to. What it costs me to go down there, I wouldn't go that far if I don't think I could win. But this is this is real racing. There's no there's no bracket racing. Not saying bracket racing's bad. I'm just saying that this is the way it was done in 1967. And that's, like I said, it's unbelievable. You go to one of their events, like I said, Southeast Gassers, look them up. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll be impressed. That's so cool. So do you still work on your car? I, I only work on my car. No kidding. I got a couple. I, I got, yeah, so I have, I got, you know, my, some of my guys in my shop, um, I let do some things, but um, I'm the guy um, that, uh, you know, I I keep all the, um, all the knowledge in my head. I kind of know what I want and, you know, I, you know, I tell my guys what I'm doing, but I do know a lot from the, the racing world I've been in. And I'm not scared to reach out to anybody in the racing world. And I usually get the best on board when I do something. So I'll get the uh, um, the guys who are killing it in the shock game, Spencer Motorsports out of North Carolina. So I call them. Uh, the guys that kill it with the clutches is Ram clutches right now. So I call them. And then I deal with guys that, you know, to go to that next level to be able to win. That's what you have to do. With your speed shop as big as it is, what is it, 33,000 square feet, you said? 35,000. 35,000 square feet. Do you also, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, you know what, I'm I'm looking for an old car, my first one. I want to buy one with my son, my daughter. You know, I I want that, that relationship. You know, do you, do you actually sell cars too? Yeah, we do sell cars, but we're not, we sell cars, but we're not really too deep in the selling cars. Um, but we have people, so I've been open for five years, over 150,000 people have been through these doors. Everybody that comes in here tells me about a car or they got a car for sale. So 
a lot of times we'd start a list and then when people call looking for cars, we give them their numbers and we just do that as common courtesy okay. um, to, to, to help them. Um, but we do take cars on assignments and some car, when I think when we came over here, I think I had like 40 some cars. I whittle it down so I don't own so many cars at time, you know, it's for other people to enjoy them. We're, all we're doing is hanging on to this car for the next person. And, and then and they get to build their memories with their family with it. Absolutely. The only one I don't think I'll ever sell, or I know I, w- I won't sell, is the Joker. Um, and I hope my kids don't either. But uh, <laughs> I, I, know, I, know, I know I'll never sell the car because the car means a lot to me. It's, it's, it's put me on floors like where I met you at the PRI show. Um, they called me to bring the car there, which is super cool. Greg, what is one car? I, I know Joker's your favorite, and it always will, and you'll die with that darn thing. But, yep. but let me ask you this. Is there still one car or truck out there that you still want to put your hands on, that you want to work on? You know, every, everybody has yep. one of those. and, and I, I, I do, and mine's going to surprise you what mine is. <laughs> What's that? Um, mine will be a Duesenberg. Oh, really? Yes. So I have some friends. I, I always been. I love these old cars from the '30s, and uh, I have some friends that live in Las Vegas, and they've owned quite a few Duesenbergs, and they 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 still own a couple of them. And it's just something about that car. I mean, it was so ahead of its time, and and they're beautiful. And uh, but you know some of them cars are five million dollars. Right, right. So I mean, they but they're just it's one, it's one that I want. <laughs> Still want one. No, I don't need it. I just want. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Right. No. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what? What more? Like what other goals do you have for yourself, for your family, and for your speed shop? I mean, you've been open five years. You're doing an amazing work. What are your goals? My goals. So I've. Since I've been open, I've met almost every celebrity in the car world. Uh, you know, from from uh, Chip Foose, he's been to my shop. Uh, Joan Amanda Martin from Iron Resurrection has been here. Uh, Emily Reeves and, and Aaron from Flying Sparks Garage. Um, Joe Coddington, um, she's like a mom to me. That was Boyd Coddington's wife. Um, Gene Winfield. Um, biggest customizer in the world, uh, Ian Russell and his wife Jamie. Um, just, I've had a lot of a lot of people in here, and I've met so many celebrities. Absolutely crazy. But right now is what I focus on is I have to get this check mark of being the fastest gasser in the world. And once I get that, then my goals are going to be I want to win the Grand National Roadster Show in. Um, Pomona, California, which is a um, the MBR, and then I want to win SEMA, and I want to win the Riddler. And you being from Detroit area, the Riddler is the biggest award that you can win. Yeah, matter I, matter of fact, Pete Tundis, the owner of of uh, the Autorama, is a really good friend of mine. I spent some time down there this year, and uh, it's just it's just cool. And I was going to ask you about that. Have you had any? cars in your shop or that you put your hands on in your employees that have won awards? Uh, we have, so, you know, we only been in five in business for five years. Um, last year was the first time we ever showed a car and I was at the world of wheels in Milwaukee and we ended up winning it. Um, then we ended up, uh, this year we had another car we took down there and we ended up getting second in that. And then we had two other, we had a car, another car in there that we did a bunch of work on for another customer. We ended up winning with that car and the, and the crystal award for the best of the show, you know, the best car in the building. And then we end up, um, having a motorcycle that we built a sidecar for, um, for a guy's dog and it was made out of a whiskey barrel. <laughs> and we end up winning first place with that also. So that's the only two cars. Only two events I ever showed at, and every time we have won so far. That is so cool. Let me ask you this. For the 
people out there listening that are not car people, you know, they're listening to your story saying, wow, you know what I mean? I want to get a little bit more into cars. I want to know more about cars. Let's just take the Riddler Award. Tell the listeners right now how many millions of dollars it would take and some of these people pay to have cars done. Three to five million dollars. Yeah, three to five million dollars. Some of these people, yeah. I mean... It, it, so so if any of your listeners want to win that, they can call me. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, well, let me, I mean, it, it's not something that it's going to be in your shop for six weeks. I mean, it's going to be in your no. shop for three years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I know, like I said, I know all these builders and the Ring Brothers, they're, they're another group of guys that are in Wisconsin here that really super nice guys. And they have won a lot of awards all over the place. And their work is just just phenomenal. And, you know, when you watch what they do, I mean, they, you know, they got the clientele that, you know, that really helps them get to that level. And that's what we need to focus on is, I mean, I want, I'll never forget the average guy because that's who I am. But to get to the level to win these big awards and shows, you definitely need a clientele that, that want to win them also. Because your client makes you how good you are. Uh, 100%. Let me ask you this, with with a shop 35,000 square feet, how many employees do you have? Uh, 10. 10 employees. And, and, I'm, and, I just, and this is for me. I just want to know, do you plan on building even more? Yeah, I have a feeling that, <laughs> that well, well, I think in the beginning I was going to do a lot more here, but I think we might, we might add, I think we'll be probably – We'll probably shut her off around the 50,000 square foot. But then after that, um, we're going to end up building um, other buildings. We're going to build two more in Wisconsin, one up by Hudson, and then we want to build one by down by the state line, uh, Kenosha, Racine area, somewhere in there. Um, maybe maybe towards Milwaukee a little more, but uh, some you know where we find some land and do the same thing. We want to have... Um, Greg speed shops all over the country, you know, like a franchise. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say 25 of them. If we, you know, if we get 10, we get 10, you know, that's so neat. Aim, aim, aim big. And if it works, it works. If it don't, it don't, but you gotta, you gotta have them goals. That's what gets me uh, going every morning. Greg, with only a few minutes left in the show, um, again, you gave up everything to tell your wife, Hey, we're going to sell everything and start a speed shop. You've were a troubled kid that made it. You were in the drugs and alcohol and overcame it. You've done so well for yourself. What advice could you give the men and women listening right now that one, they might be not struggling with anything except for they want to follow a dream, but they're scared. They might be fighting with something, but they need that kick in the butt. You have the next mm-hmm. couple minutes, Greg, and if you can, I, I want you to inspire the people listening right now that that they can overcome whatever they want to overcome. I, I just honestly believe that you know, as as humans, we don't we don't focus on um, we focus we worry about a lot of garbage. Um, what you have to do is start telling yourself that you can do anything that you want, and I. And you honestly can. When you were a kid, when you know you wanted to do something, you really believed you could do it. And as we, as adults, we start second guessing ourselves. So you have to get back to that that mindset that if you want to do something, if it's being a police officer to to being a a banker or owning your own company, um, you can do it, and you just have to do it. Um, for me, what I do personally is. Every morning, I write my goals down and things. I, I, I map my day out, everything that I'm going to do today. And I try to um, check them off the list. I don't always get them off the list every day. But then the next day, I start over and, I, okay, these are the three things I want to accomplish because I didn't get them done yesterday. And then we're the first three things that I do. And, um, and ever since I've been doing that, that really, really helps me. Um, to keep my mind focused, um, to get things done. Because when you check it off the list, you feel like, oh my God, I did something. Um, and you just got to keep pushing. 
and, you, and the people that get in your life that say you can't do something, you just can't have around negative people. You got to have people behind you and that believe in you, and you just gotta you just gotta keep digging. And uh, I believe anybody can do anything they want in this world. And uh, for me, it's having the Lord in 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 my life is major. Um, and you know, staying away from the drugs and alcohol is, uh, <laughs> you know, if you get the Lord in your life, you won't you won't have to worry so much about that because you'll just quit yourself. Greg, you're amazing, man. You're a rock star. And that's the owner of Greg's Speed Shop. I mean, they do full restorations, full custom fab, uh, custom frames, airbags, motors, transmissions, suspensions, wiring, all your mechanical needs. And listen, if you're a mom that just needs her brakes done, take it down to Greg's Speed Shop because you'll handle it, won't you, Greg? Yes, yes, we will. And, and listen, I mean, what what a cool waiting room. That That's what I always think about. Hey, man, if I want to take my car somewhere, I mean, you literally can hang out for hours inside your speed shop. Yeah, that's kind of why we did the speed, you know, that's why it's called Greg's Speed Shop. Because and what I thought was back in the day, uh, a speed shop in the 60s, you know, 50s and 60s and 70s, that's where people went and hung out and talked. Yes. And so... Even though I mean we sell we sell parts and stuff here, but we, we we mainly do build custom cars. But I use the speed shop name because I wanted people to come hang out, and that and that's kind of what we do. We get old timers come here and drink coffee and talk crap, and I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. And how can people follow you on social media again? Uh, you can follow us on uh, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Um, it's just Greg Speed Shop. And, and, and your stuff is awesome. Your TikTok page is awesome. I don't know who's doing the work for you or if you and your I'm wife doing are doing it. My it. Daughter, I'm doing it. My daughter made me do it. <laughs> no, I mean, your your stuff is awesome. I love it, man. So yeah. I can't thank you enough for hanging out, you know, and anytime you want to come back on the show, if there's something you want to talk about, man, give us a call. And again, I mean, do, you, do you have a phone number that people can reach the shop or should they just connect uh, with you on social? They can do it on social, but you call 920 2939. We're open, uh, uh, what are we, nine to five every day. Greg, thank you so much, man. Again, I appreciate all your time, your great story, and thanks for the inspiration today. All right. Thanks, Johnny. I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Thank you for listening to this week's Outstanding Life Podcast. We'll see you next time. Hey, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Are you planning a conference, convention, meeting, assembly, or any live event that needs a guest speaker? I would love to be a part of it. For more information, visit MotivationalCowboy.com. Thanks for listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast. Follow Johnny D on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Motivational Cowboy. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, advertise, or would like to make a donation, please visit MotivationalCowboy.com. And remember to have an outstanding day.